everybody. Just fun to watch what the Lord is doing. Love the exuberance and worship. I mean, he's so worthy of it. You know, we're going to uh, we're going to shift focus from Easter toward Pentecost, and we just have a series of messages that we're going to talk about leading up to Pentecost, and want to uh, possibly change some of your Pentecostal paradigms and change some of your views. Maybe enlighten and encourage and strengthen each of you. Um, in moving in the dynamic and the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to take your Bibles, we're going to actually for up until the first and including the first week of June, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 and in Acts chapter 2. But for today, we're going to start out in Acts chapter 1. And if you've been around here for very long, you know that our vision is to ignite change in hundreds who will ignite change in thousands. Good. You get it. Uh, And that requires each of us uh, taking on a part of that. And so uh, how do we get that accomplished is our mission. And we're just connecting people. uh, We're connecting communities to the nothing is impossible life. And each of us are in unique places and unique communities that that the Lord would have us reach out and, and ignite change in. That's the way the church is supposed to work. And so... Uh, We're going to shift even how we format and walk through our sermons on Sunday as we have a vision, we have a mission, we've even got a roadmap, and and you you see it at the beginning of the video announcements, it's connect, it's grow, and it's go. When you pull out the cards in the seat in front of you, you see they have very specific colors. And so even in our talks on Sunday, we are going to shape or format our sermons to really come alongside the connect, grow, and go. When, when I say connect, you may just hear connection with God or with other people, but a big part of our Christian life connects us to a belief system. It connects us to something that we take and we hold inside that is firm, that is unshakable or unmovable. Peter said that we are living stones, and the, the hard part of the stone is our belief system. And when you believe something, well, then it begins to transform, it begins to change you, it begins to cause you to to adjust, which brings us to the grow piece. And in the grow piece, where you have this belief, the grow piece is where you really start to become. There's this, this natural transformation that begins to happen inside us, even as we are trained in the way that the Lord would have us. If you think about it a little bit like this, it's it, the, the connect part is where you receive, where that's where the seed gets put in. The grow part is where the fruit begins to ripen in our life. Well, that moves us to the go piece, because when you have the connect that place where you believe, you have the grow piece where you become, then you have the go piece, that's really where you behave. And you may think that Christianity always starts with your behavior. No, your behavior is a result of a belief that you grow in. Then ultimately, you become something and you behave a very certain way. And so we'll, we'll, we'll get to the, the go part of the sermon. So you will leave with some opportunities. It's going to be your choice. If you, if you never really connected with the belief, if, it's, if the belief is something that never really got into the heart, if it's something that just hit the hard ground and fell to the wayside, well, then you're not going to ever become that. So you're not going to ever do the action steps. You're not going to, you're not going to really step in and do the go piece. But if, you, if the belief hits and you say, I want to grow into that, 
Well, then we want to make sure that you receive some action steps that you can do during the week, whether it's in your, uh, through your life group or it's through your, your, your mentoring, your discipleship one-on-one, that you can really take and allow your spirituality to allow your faith to grow and to blossom so that ultimately you're igniting change in and around the relationships that God has providentially put around you. And so for the disciples, they had, uh, they had a, a time where they were shut in the rooms because they were, they were afraid that what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. But as we looked at last week, and, and we just make this mark every, every year that this is Easter, this is Resurrection Sunday. I'm not Eastern Orthodox, so Resurrection Sunday as a celebration was last week. As a Christian, I celebrate it every day, but it's still a high mark on the calendar, uh, but for, for the disciples, they all of a sudden had their eyes what, look forward to what we now would say is another high mark of the calendar called Pentecost. And Jesus, in the first part of Acts, he, uh, he's, uh, he's really spending time with them. He's, he's, he's given them 40 days of kingdom lessons and kingdom growth that, that they could, if they believed it, grow into it. And then ultimately have a behavior that was reflective of what they were growing into in that belief system. And so I want to pick it up in verse 4 of chapter 1. The scripture says in the English Standard Version, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said... You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he says these words, and here's the reaction that they had. So when they had come together, they asked the Lord, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? Now, for you and me, that question, let me stop just for a moment. That question may seem out of place. The Christian life is always looking forward to the moment that life becomes perfect. I look forward to that. I believe there is a perfect life yet in front of me. When Jesus Christ comes and he sets up his, his authority and rulership and political seat of power in Jerusalem on the seat of David, he is going to rule the entire world and we will have perfect lives. I think that's a big plus to Christianity. And so when, the, when they understood that the power was coming, they were expecting to step in to perfect lives. But Jesus... He, he shifts their thinking. Where you're thinking, may I'm still looking for, and, and maybe you became a Christian because somebody sold you a bill of goods that you were going to have a perfect life once you became a Christian. How many of you found that out to be true? Yeah, right. That just doesn't happen. And Jesus is not so concerned about the perfect life. He's concerned with the empowered life. And it's important that in our day, as it comes closer and closer to Jesus' return, that we don't live a life that is just looking for the perfect life, but that we really step into the fullness of the promise of the empowered life. And so Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. I think that he's speaking that to some people today. Because it's amazing the amount of Christians who 
believe they know the, the moment, the hour that there's going to be the perfect life, and so they're proclaiming it. And maybe somebody came out with 22 reasons why Jesus was coming back in the year 22. I don't know. But it's, it's just not uncommon. But he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be in my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here's the place that we want to connect with this morning, and we'll, we'll dive into, and we'll kind of just uh, move through this a little bit. But it's simply, I've got it, if you're, if you're in your notes on the app and you're going through it that way, it's the main thought that uh, he's putting up on the screen now. Uh, it's Pentecost offers a fruitful, in fact, really Pentecost offers a truly fruitful lifestyle. Pentecost offers a truly fruitful lifestyle lifestyle. Now, there's a number of definitions that we got to get out of the way, and we got to kind of talk through this, uh, this thing of Pentecost first. For they were looking forward to, and they, they didn't know it was going to be during Pentecost, but they, Jesus said, I want you to go, and you're, I want you to wait for the power to come. But what had happened when the power came, it was the time of Pentecost. Pentecost was a celebration of the first fruits, it was a week-long celebration where people would come from all over the known world to Jerusalem for a vacation. I'm a big believer in vacations. I think the Bible is a big believer in vacations, by the way. As we're coming up on summer, I'm saying this for some of you workaholics, that I'm telling you, vacation's very biblical. You know, they took five of them a year. I think we should start lobbying for five weeks of vacation a year. Who's with me on this? Okay, we'll, we'll get, you know, we'll get buttons and shirts and hats and, you know, making, making vacations great again. Blue hats or something. No, I'm kidding. So, so, the, so it's, it's totally full of people who were vacationals, vacationers. They come and they had rented their Airbnbs. And now they had this profound moment in what would, we would say is in church history. The day of Pentecost had fully, the scripture says in two, that had fully come. Now the, the, the celebration of the first fruits wouldn't be just one time a year. Now it would be a continual uh, producing of fruit that can be celebrated all the days of a person's life. And so if you are a person that just celebrates the, the Pentecost of days gone by, you are missing what it means to live the Pentecostal life. And so for in that day, the, 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 the power came, and it wasn't just in a church service. It's where it began, but it wasn't just in a church service. All of a sudden, the people who were milling about in the day started hearing them speaking a language that they shouldn't know. They were speaking foreign languages. And they heard them glorifying God, the Bible says, in their own language. And 3,000 of them turned their lives to Jesus. And they moved toward the promised life. Now, that's 2,000 years ago. I want to go just a little closer in history. In the year 1906. In 1906, at precisely 5.12 a.m. on April 16th, an earthquake awoke all of San Francisco. 
And 20 seconds, 20, 25 seconds, they say, after they were all awakened, an 8.3 earthquake hit that area. And it hit with such ferocity that it destroyed, it leveled 514 blocks of San Francisco. And over 700 people were killed. It caused in that day all of America to stop and to take pause at what took place. But what took place two months before that earthquake that awakened the entire city of San Francisco, there was a spiritual awakening that is experienced and expressed today. You have to actually go a couple years before that where there just was a stirring in the, in the people of God in, in two very specific places. One place was Topeka, Kansas. The other was Houston, Texas. And they felt like America and the people of America were far from God, so they began to pray, and they began to seek God. And God raised up the most unlikely person of the day, a one-eyed black preacher who, when he went to Houston because of segregation, could not even enter the schoolhouse room, but sat on the front steps with the door open and listened to a man named Charles Parham talk about the power of Pentecost in an individual's life. And it got inside with him. He connected with that. He said, I believe that. Now, he himself did not experience it for a couple years, but he left that moment and began to proclaim that God has an empowerment for every person's life for today. You fast forward and you find him in Southern California on a street called Azusa, where they were having these, these, these little prayer meeting gatherings in uh, this, this little storefront area with a... With a uh, a front porch that was so weak, it was not uncommon for them to fall through the floor. But the power of God descended as in the day of Pentecost on that day. And it has changed the scope of the world. There's a, there's a um, whole collection of Azusan Street papers. They were, they were newspapers that they began to print of what took place during this incredible revival. I just want to just give you a little bit of caption of what some of the things that took place. Many churches have been praying for Pentecost, and Pentecost has come. The question is now, will they accept it? God has answered in the way he, in the way, excuse, in a way they did not look for he came in a humble way as of old, born in a manger. Story of a man called Muhammadan, a Sudanese by birth, a man who was an interpreter and speaks 16 languages, came into our meetings at Azusa Street, and the Lord gave him messages which none but he himself could understand. He identified, interpreted, and wrote a number of the languages. 
little girl walked in with crutches and had tuberculosis of the bones, as the doctors declared, was healed, dropped her crutches, and began skipping about the yard. The Lord has given the gift of writing in unknown languages, also the gift of playing on instruments. That hasn't come upon me yet. But it's possible. There was a moment where God just went, I'm going to change things. I'm going to blow of my spirit, in which now we look back and we recognize that in Acts chapter 2, that was the former reign, and now we begin to see the latter reign. Because what has taken place since then is that in 2020, across the globe, there's now, they say, by statisticians, 644 million Pentecostal believers. Now, I want to put that in context. There's just under 8 billion people on the globe. And that math basically says that one in 12 people that are living on the planet today are Pentecostal Christians. Now, we live in our own self, very small worlds. But when you start to begin to see things the way God is seeing it, there is a, there is a global harvest that is taking place because God has poured out his spirit on all flesh. But we don't ever want to make Pentecost just a holiday. As I said earlier, it's a little bit like Easter. It's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. We may celebrate it the first Sunday in June this year, but it is a lifestyle. The Pentecost, Pentecostalism is a lifestyle. And so that really is ultimately where our focus is going to be because, because what you find is that the promise was not that we have the perfect life, but that we have the same empowered life that Jesus had. And so we live this spirit-led, spirit-empowered life where transformation is happening regularly through our lives. Now, immediately, some of you are going, oh, I can't look around and see anything. Well, sometimes you can see it and sometimes you can't. Sometimes the interactions are, are really profound and sometimes they're very minute. But when we believe that, We've been promised the Holy Spirit to come upon us with power. It begins to change the way we approach life. And now we begin to say it's, it's a lifestyle. Now, what you found in certainly really the rise started in the 1940s in America where this idea of the Pentecostal lifestyle was that Jesus was going to make your life perfect now. You just needed to name it and claim it. You needed, you needed to see it before it happened. But when I use the term a truly fruitful lifestyle, I'm talking about a truly kingdom lifestyle where our lives are seeing transformation around us. That means in some respects, some people have to give up their own kingdom for his kingdom. Now, I know that's not an easy thing. But certainly the, the truly fruitful lifestyle is something that we have to, to grow into. And I want to talk about this, this growth piece a little bit because it isn't, it isn't where just one moment you're, you're, you know, you're powerless and then the next moment you have exercised unlimited power. 
you have unlimited power. It's just not exercised yet. There's a growth piece to it. There's a, there's a growing part of that. And so what happened, and when I, when, I, when I think about Pentecostalism, I think about Pentecost. I was raised in a day where Pentecost was a church style as opposed to a lifestyle. Now, there were some in the church that, that lived the Pentecostal lifestyle. Don't get me wrong. But when I was a kid, you went to church and you sang over and over and over and over again until the spirit would fall and you would go in power. Now, I was in, in amazing, incredible services. I even had a moment where uh, I experienced the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I still had to grow into it. Bring that grow screen up for me, would you? I, I still had to grow into this. But here, let me tell you a little bit about my experience. I was in a church service. Clarissa and I were there. There was a, there was a church service of, you know, 1,500 or plus people. We were, we were center section. Was, and maybe it was left center section. And probably about four aisles back. And as, the, as, as we're worshiping, I'm just caught up in, in, this, in this worship song. Uh, it, 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 the song's, you know, it's crown him Lord of Lord. Here's the, he's the royal dialed in. He's coming in on his white horse. And we're singing this song. We're singing this song. And I, and I almost have this, this feeling where uh, now I, I feel like Jesus is going to come riding down the back of the church on the horse. I mean, I kind of felt that inside. And then all of a sudden, the Lord goes like this. Now, I can only speak of this in not just human terms, but limited brain activity rich terms, okay? It was like if you've ever tried to pump up an uh, a inflatable raft, and you had that little pump that you step on, you go like that, and it begins to throw airs. I felt like at that moment, God by his spirit put something in my side, and every now and then would go. <gasps> now, I didn't know how to respond to that. In fact, my mind couldn't comprehend it. It overwhelmed my emotions, and simultaneously, I started crying and laughing. And I became that guy. Because the guy that had the order of service said, is everybody okay? Because I was more than okay, but I'm sure they're including my wife, who was going, what is going on with my husband in this moment, is going, what's going on with that guy? I became the center of attention. They weren't going to allow me to become the center of attention. I didn't want to become the center of attention. I just wanted to be a, a real Star Trek person at that moment and be transported in a side room and just totally enjoy the experience that I was having as God was filling me with his spirit. After church, we went to a restaurant. And there was a long waiting, and they said, well, we can get you in sooner if you don't mind sitting in the smoking section. Some of you are a little older remember smoking sections of the restaurant. I went, let's go in there. And God still, in the middle of the restaurant, would go, and I would begin to have this response to his spirit that caused the people who were sitting across the, across the aisle from us waiting on their food go to go, oh, it's those guys. There is something about people who are filled with the spirit that causes other people to go, oh, yeah, there's just something a little bit different about them. Now, I know there, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of weird things in Pentecost. 
Uh, that, by the way, those moments lasted about two weeks. I think that's how long it took for my heart to get hard. Uh, that lasted for about two weeks for me. And I, I, was in, I was in sales, I was managing a company as well. Two of the incredible weeks of my life. But I, I've witnessed the, the weirdness. I want you to think about it this way. I love, absolutely love, uh, when people are in the spirit and they're worshiping and they're loving and they're adoring God. It's a little bit to me like uh, just, just being at a, a NBA playoff game and hearing the roar of the crowd. But even at the NBA playoff game, there's one person. They've come with their face painted. And, you know, they may not wear a shirt where it's like half one color, half the, uh, the other color. You know what I'm talking about? And it's amazing that the cameras will focus in right there. Okay, and, and so what's happened in Pentecost is there's that person that comes into the room and it really is all about their fanaticism rather than the spirit and the love and the vitality of the spirit of Jesus. And so it's caused people to go, yeah, I don't want that. That's just weird. Uh, there's a dynamic of, of Pentecostalism that has caused people to step back because in, in every person, the Holy Spirit moves through our personality. And some of us are introverts, yes and amen, okay? And then there are other of us that are extroverts. And the extrovert person is going to be used differently than the introvert person. I'm not going to be the person, I'm certainly not going to be the person that paints myself at a, at a game. And I may clap and I may yay, but I, the reality is I'm not going to leave a game horse. Because it's not who I am. When I'm worshiping Jesus, my expression of Jesus is going to be different than the next person's expression of Jesus. And so the same is true as when the Spirit begins to, to move us on us. But here's the reality. When we become what he's desiring us to become, there is going to be a fruit that results. And so we grow into this development of the fruit of the, the dynamic of living a lifestyle that is very much Pentecostalism. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, we would use in our modern, uh, modern language, modern vernacular, certainly here at Bethel, we would say our Jerusalem is our circle of influence. It's the people who are around us all the time. And so there's this interaction. Now that's not just a human interaction, but an empowered moment interaction. The disciples in their, in their circle of influence, Peter and John, they're on their way to, to, uh, to prayer. And there is a guy who has always been there begging money, for money. But in this one moment, now the Lord has put a focus. The Lord has highlighted this person. And they turn to him. And they say, well, silver and gold we don't have. But we have what we have we give in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And they lift him up. There was this powerful moment that was expressed not because they had walked with Jesus for three plus years. It was a matter that they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They looked for the moment. How many times had Jesus walked by that guy? How many times had they walked by that guy? How many times are there people in your and I's life that we walk by, whether it's at the grocery store or at Starbucks or one of our next door neighbors, that all of a sudden the Spirit places something over them or on them that causes us to go, wait a minute, 
he has something there. I've got to move toward that moment. And there are, there are these incidental moments that you haven't been praying for. You haven't been necessarily doing much. And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. When we believe that that's what the fruitful life is, we then desire to grow into and allow that to grow in our life. But there is an intentional component to it. What is the intentional component? Well, Jesus said Judea and Samaria. There are, the, there are the incidental ones that just happen by, but then there are the strategic ones. These are the ones that now Jesus says, I want you to begin to pray for them. I want you to begin to go after them. And there, some of these people, they're like you. And there are some of these people that are not like you. The majority of the Christian faith does not have an intentional group of people that they are praying for to come into the kingdom of God. We are more concerned with who's going to be elected in the next political office than who's going to be having their lives transformed by the power of the Spirit. He said that Judea, these, these are the people that, that we like. So one of the reasons that I started playing handball as a pastor is because it put me in a group of people who were predominantly not people who were thinking about or seeking Jesus. And so it became an opportunity for me to begin to pray for and then begin to witness to the love of Jesus Christ. He places us intentionally. But there's also the part where there are people that are different from us, who are not like us, nor like us. People who are not like us, nor like us. This is where your faith begins to grow to the place where you do start praying for your enemies. It, it's where you begin to pray for people who have a, a different political view than you have. It's where you can read their face, Facebook posts and not want to slap them silly. I see some of you have had that feeling. It's a normal feeling. But when, you, when, you, when you, you say, Jesus, you've given me power, one of the things that he's given us power over are those kinds of feelings. When we say, Jesus, fill me with your love, our love begins to change into his love. And there's no person, small nor great, that Jesus did not encounter that he did not love. And so you begin to pray for him. And now you begin to say, I, I believe, Lord, that you're going to create a moment where they can come into the kingdom. I had a, uh, when, I, when I think about this, I think that, that this is where, this is really where the assemblies that just a few years after the Azusa Street rival really began to move, and that was the international component. Because Jesus said, it's, it's also to the ends of the earth. That means that some, as they, as they believe that that Pentecostal, being Pentecostal in that lifestyle is the truly fruitful lifestyle, God will call to some crazy weird places. Sometimes it's a college campus, but other times it's another country. The Assemblies of God are in over 212 countries around the world. Why? Because, it, because the, it's, there's a, it's a missions movement. There's this recognition that when the power of the Spirit comes upon you, it really empowers you to go to places that you never really thought that you would even go. And so people 
early, the, the records of early uh, after Azusa Street and even during Azusa Street, uh, when, when there was no modern day travel, when there was no modern day form of communication other than letter writing, uh, would go to various places of the world never expecting to come home because they recognized that more than their bank account was their eternal account. More than their bucket list was God's bucket list. And so they began to go. They began to go. They began to leave. And so it's not uncommon when you think about Bethel's history, how many times the Lord, through the ministry of Bethel, has called people to leave their places of comfort to go into places of the world that were completely and totally different than them. And so... The, the Spirit's desire is that we grow into that. Clarissa and I are not called to go uh, to, to Africa. We're not called to go to Brazil. When we were getting ready to come to Bethel, we had plenty of conversations and prayed about, well, Lord, if, if, if Bethel's not the place you want us, we're willing to, to leave everything and go be missionaries in Europe. That's where we were feeling called if that's what that was going to take place. Because we want to go where the fruit is going to be developed in our life just like you should desire for the fruit of the Spirit to be developed in your life. But there, there's that go component to this. And let's look at the go component for a minute. The go component, it, it starts with us taking a step. You got to step. For you, it may be a place where you're going to step toward uh, the Pentecostal lifestyle. You say, well, I don't even really know what that is yet. Well, that's right. The Lord knows what it is. You, you, don't, you don't need an educational uh, thing on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The church, the early church, was much more experiential than intellectual. And we've become really good at being intellectual. But God is very much uh, experiential. When Clarissa, and I, when Clarissa and I were serving in a place in Mesa, we were not called into ministry. I, I wanted to serve wherever I could. And, and so I was, an, I was an usher of the church. I took up the offering. And, and bless God, we had our own places in the church that said reserved for ushers. We came in one Sunday, and Clarissa, she goes to our seat, and somebody took our seat. And that's dangerous territory for a Pentecostal. Because any kind of carnal Pentecostal will pray in tongues and then beat you up. <laughs> Clarissa didn't do that. She, she just moved and sat somewhere else. But it was two ladies and a, and a young man, a teenage man. Yeah, maybe he was 19. And it, and it was in that service that they gave their hearts to the Lord. And they came back, because we had Sunday night service. They came back to Sunday night. And there was no teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were just people who wanted more of God. And so that young man just raised his hand toward heaven and said, God, I want all of you. And God just poured himself on that person. And he began to speak in other tongues. And so if that's you and you say, you need to step towards that. You need to turn toward God and say, Lord, I step toward the truly fruitful lifestyle. But I think that, that what happens more often than not is that the step that people need to take is that they've experienced that, but they've never stepped into the incidental moments. They've never prayed for and looked for the intentional moments. And if that's you, well, this week the Lord wants you to start looking because I think the God that I serve may place some incidental moments We'll begin to have you start praying for intentional opportunities. 
I think as we, as we grow in our life group experiences, this is where the, the strategy comes in. This is where we, we begin to identify that God has the people that God's placed in our life. And as, a, as life groups, we come together and we meet, we begin to pray for those people. And, and we, we say, Lord, you are, you are drawing this person, you're drawing this person, you're drawing this person, you're drawing this person. And, and as Chris and I will pray a number of times a week, we'll say, Lord, also, would you make sure that our hearts are ready? Will you make sure that we can see the opportunities, the incidental moments that you desire for us to step into? Some of you've got some, 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 some prejudices. And the Lord's saying, hey, I want you to begin to reach people who, who you don't like, and they don't like you. You need to begin to pray for them. Begin to seek the Lord. Say, Lord, you've got to help me there. Nothing wrong with telling God, I don't like those people. But I just don't know how easy it is to look to God and say, I hate those people in Jesus' name. That just doesn't work very well, does it? No, so what, what, when, I, when, you, when you're struggling with somebody, Lord, help me. Help me with that. And then he begins to change your heart. He begins to show you a different perspective than you had before. Some, the Lord, the Lord may, may be a little bit like Clarissa and I, where we're not called to missions. We give significantly to missions, Clarissa and I do. We, it's for us, it's, it's, it, we believe that that's where the fruitful life is. And so as the Lord has enabled us, as we, as we kind of just work our budget in such a way, we give more and we give more and we give more. Because there are people who will go where we cannot go. They just need to be resourced. So that's why we pray, around here we place a heavy, heavy emphasis on the missions piece. But I think the last thing is, is I think that, that in each of our lives, the Lord really does want to stretch us. If you're physically able, I want you to stand here. We're going to finish here and we're going to pray. But I want you to stand with me. And, um, and I want you to take, and, and again, if you're, if you're not physically able to do this, don't. Okay, because I don't want you to go to a lawyer after service and say, he made me. But I want you to take, if, if, if you can put your arms out. Okay? You almost give yourself a little room. And then just go like this. And then go the other way. Okay, now go back. And go back. Here's what's happening. Every time you do that, you're, you're not going to ever get all the way around. But every time you do that, you're stretching your muscles and your tendons to allow it to go a little bit further. Don't look at what some people, and you can stop anytime. Go home and do it all afternoon if you like to. But, but here's the thing. The, the, the Lord wants us to be stretched in our faith. He wants us to be able to go, you know, I wasn't able to do that last week, but because I did it this week, the following week it became earlier. And for some, that's just a matter of the Lord saying, I want you to go talk to that person. What am I going to say? I'll tell you when you get there. I want you to give. Well, I don't have the money. Give anyway. Let me take care of it. He stretches you. And as we are stretched, here's the beautiful thing. We give more opportunity for the Spirit of Christ to develop fruit in and through our life. And so, as the worship team comes, this is how we're going to pray. We're going to pray, and, and, and if, you, if, if here's the go piece for you, if you need to take a step this week as I pray, I just want you to look down at your feet and say, Jesus, help me take a step. If you've, if, you've, if you've been trying to live the Pentecostal lifestyle and there's no strategy, uh, then, and then you need to just take your hand and put it on your forehead and say, Lord, uh, give me the strategy. 
And by strategy, it starts just very simply. I need to identify the people that are around me. Lord, I ask that you help me do that. If you need to, if you need to be stretched, well, all right, Lord, we already did it once, but will you stretch me this week? I got to think that the God of the universe enjoys stretching us, not for our hurt, not for our pain, but so that we can live a truly fruitful lifestyle. And so, Lord, we just come. And Lord, we want to be, we want to be people who are sent. That, that Lord, we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we say, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes and amen to your plan and purpose. We believe that the Pentecostal lifestyle is the truly fruitful lifestyle. And so, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. I pray for every person who needs to take a step. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will give them multiple opportunities. I come against negative thinking that the enemy comes along and says, see, you missed the step opportunity. The Lord, you're graceful. You're going to give opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And so, Lord, help us to step into those opportunities this week. Lord, I pray, Lord, for uh, the minds to be opened up to the strategy of your spirit, Lord. Well, well, there was this bursting early on in Pentecost. They became strategic in their, in their going. They would go specific places to reach people for the gospel of the kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be strategic with our circle of influence. That, Lord, we will make note of the people that you have placed in and around our lives so that, Lord, we may have the moments where your power may be manifest in their lives in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, I pray for uh, for others, Lord, that, uh, Lord, they, they need to stretch. Lord, you're, you're, you're calling us to stretch. We've become, we've come a bit sedentary in our spirituality. I pray, Lord, that you will cause us to, 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 to rise. And, and, Lord, like our body as it gets older, we rise and we groan. But, Lord, once we get moving, we're good. And I pray, Lord, that you will cause an awakening to cause people in their spirituality to stand up and to begin to stretch their faith in such a way that they might be able to experience it in an ever-expanding and growing way, the empowered life. And so, Father, we thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.